Welcome to Twin Peaks Rewatch. From Idle Thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. On this episode, we are discussing Twin Peaks The Return, Part 10. This episode was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, and it was directed by David Lynch. It first aired on television on July 16th, 2017, at 2 in the morning if you're in the UK, (laughs) and at normal times if you're in other places. Yep. On this episode... Mm. Richard Horn is an incredible piece of garbage. The FBI agents connect some dots. The Las Vegas-based Mitchum brothers have an enemy in Douglas Jones. Dr. Jacoby sells some more shovels. Albert has an enjoyable evening. And Cooper has an enjoyable evening? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jake. No, it's fine. Uh, So... Uh, Early on in this season, we talked about how Twin Peaks as soap opera had maybe fallen away in season three. Yeah. That seems less true this episode in which it being a soap opera, although uh, a very messed up one, seems to have returned in some ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess... It it's, feels like the, if if you if the, you left left the sort of garden that was the soap opera of Twin Peaks unattended for twenty five years, and it then was still the same garden, but grew like three foot tall weeds. weeds. Yeah, it would be this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were so many threads just being ducked into, in and out of. I mean, some showed up for one scene, some were strung throughout the whole episode. Yeah, lots of. Characters whose names we are rarely even spoken, yep. but who are really important in this episode, and it's it's revealed and confirmed, and like double and triple confirmed that seemingly everyone in this story is not only very directly connected, but seems to have actually been plotting against each other, or somehow have an angle on one or one character or another in ways that either we didn't know about or did know about, and then now it was explicitly danced out in front of us. You uh, mean like, for instance, Chad and Richard Horn? Yeah. We know that they were... We knew that they were they, they were involved, but not to this degree. Yeah. And every single person in Las Vegas has apparently yeah, either tried to kill connect, Dougie or Ike, Ike the Spike. <laughs> or is gonna. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, Ike, yeah, or is connected to Ike the Spike, has hired him or attempted to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, every single person in this episode, not every person, there are so many just outrageously bad people who I didn't want to see doing bad things, but was made to this week. They're just bad. There are some like, like who, I mean, a lot of people did bad things, but who, who did you not want to see do bad oh, things? Oh, I definitely, I, did. well, I didn't want to be seeing it. Basically anything involving Richard Horn was really hard to yes. watch. No, that, that, um, that character, I mean, yeah, that, that character represents the most, vicious tendencies that this season has and it it's pretty stark compared to i mean you could say you could say that um fire walk with me has some of that viciousness in it but there's something we we don't we we know nothing about richard horn except that he's awful right right like it's all we know about that character and not in a sort of elemental bob like way right he's he just as far as we can tell or have seen 
he's just a really, really brutal, cruel person. Yeah. Uh, and that's all. And then to to a lesser extent, but still really messed up, there was uh, Stephen Burnett and his wife, who's Shelley's daughter, Stephen Burnett being right. wispy and mustache Becky. guy. Yeah. And then even uh, the Mitchum brothers kind of feel like if you take Ben and Jerry Horn from the first couple seasons, but just make them huge, right, right. huge dicks. Like right, just compl- right. like just bad people without the charm. Right, in some exactly. Ways. Yeah, like, we don't get any of the funny like sandwich chopping, cigar chopping. Yeah, this is yeah. just a lot of Twin Peaks archetypes, but bad and without the charm, and you have to see everything that they do instead of it being yeah. sort of like styled away in, in a happy, weird soap yeah. opera world. It really feels, I mean, I, I've said this before, and I'm sorry to keep, keep saying it, but it really feels to me like the kinds of dynamics that would be would totally make sense in a film production where you're going to see the entire thing from start <laughs> to finish. I'm serious. I know. I know, I agree. <laughs> this is just we say it every week. I know, but it's just this week was really shocking in how relentless it was uh, to me. Anyway, do you want to actually start g- going down like what happened in this yeah, episode? Yeah, let's just let's just rip off the first of like 15 band-aids in this episode <laughs> of Twin Peaks and talk about Richard, Richard Horn. Horn. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean we open up with what? With the sh- the Miriam's RV? Yeah. Or trailer whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And Richard just busting in. Yeah, she threatens to well, in fact says she already has Contacted the police by letter for some reason. She said, "I, guess, I, I think that she said that she con- she called directly, and it didn't mm-hmm. seem like that necessarily right, so she worked." So she mailed a letter yeah. that was going to get there today. Yeah, because she knows that he killed the boy because we saw her see that. Yep. So he kills her. Yes, effectively. Yeah. This. So of all of the messed up things that Richard Horn does, this was the one whose presentation I was the most okay with. I think even though it was totally messed up and freaky, it was it felt in line with things that I've seen in mm-hmm. Twin Peaks before and just like on television. Like, I mean, it was still totally scary, but like mm-hmm. he bashes in the the glass, unlocks the door of the trailer, and then we just see a wide shot of the outside yeah. of the trailer, hear everything happen, and then see him. Uh, walk out and we see the candle lit and we see her dead on the ground like it's fucked up but Mm -hmm. nothing compared to basically anything that happens later right Um, right well so yeah he goes to his mother's house yeah or no grandmother's house grandmother's house house, and and everything bad happens but but in the meantime before that Chet picks up a letter. <laughs> not Chet. God, Chad. I always call him Chet. It's he's Chad. such a fucking Chet. He's not even a Chad. <laughs> He'll always be Chet to me. He's a Chad, I think. Yeah. Chad, who we've known is bad, and I think mm-hmm. we've known is in he's, cahoots he's with this guy. presented so incredibly unsympathetically well, we know we, 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 first, we first saw Chad and Richard Horn connected because they uh, had a money handoff in the Roadhouse weeks mm-hmm. ago when yeah. we first met Richard Horn. Yeah. Um, when he was first being horrible. Right. Yeah. So Chad is a cheesy letter swapper. Mm-hmm. Lucy Toby. totally is totally onto it, which Lucy's I really liked. It, right. That was actually something that really, okay, so not to just, this is not really the movie thing. This is just an example of how different this show operates to most television shows. In any, I, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong. In most television shows, I think including previous seasons of Twin Peaks, we would there would we'd probably have like half of the number of threads we had in this episode or like 
they would be divided between episodes differently, mm-hmm. and we'd see at least one more step of what Lucy does next, right? Like, the way this show's gone, it's entirely plausible she will just let it drop because she didn't see him do enough stuff. Like, right. it's totally plausible she will either do that or she'll follow up on the letter. Mm-hmm. But I feel like typically what you'd expect is she would actually, you'd see right. whether that is concluded or whether it is going to continue. I don't think that's always been true of Twin Peaks. Really? Yeah, maybe not. Especially sort of in the middle of its run. I feel we like you got would... so many threads in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was just an idle thought I had. Yeah. Uh, because it, we've spent a really, really, really long time with a lot of these threads not necessarily going that far. Like a lot of this Las Vegas stuff in this episode it's not that much further than it was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, so that was our quick Lucy and Chad check-in as part of this thread. Yeah. I think then Chad, what he texts, he just texts uh, Richard yeah, saying that it's done. Yeah. And then Richard springs into action in the super, super messed up scene. Yeah. At the, at, yeah, this that uh, was the that horn was, household. I guess yeah, that was yeah. a really hard scene to watch. Obviously, intentionally, uh, but yeah, a very difficult scene. It was it was hard to watch beyond me knowing if it was what I wanted to be watching. Like, yeah. just yeah. I, uh, I mean, I guess I'm, part I'm, I'm in constant conflict with my feelings about this scene. I think. What is your conflict? Do I think that it was okay? Like, did I? Do I? Am I? Do I feel? Do I wish that I hadn't actually watched it? Like it's one of it's, right. it's it hit a point where I sort of where I thought, do I need to be watching this? Like, is this like, am I being entertained by this? Am I being interested in this? Mm-hmm. And then that was fighting with a voice saying, yes, this is like very deliberate and yeah. obviously like all the stuff with the talking teddy bear and the pacing of the scene mm-hmm. and just how aggressive it was and making myself watch it was the point. Yeah, but. It's like a lot of these moments that just kind of come flying out of nowhere and mm-hmm. crash into season three of Twin Peaks. It's it's hard to know why. And yeah, that and makes I, it I tough. Like, like literally, guess, why am I watching this? Eventually, right, like right. the multi, like multiple meanings of that sentence uh, were were applied in my brain. And that's part of, I guess, that th- this scene is a more intense version of what I'm talking about with that Lucy thing. Like that Lucy thing is like, oh, what's she going to do? I don't know. In this case... It's I I may or may not retroactively later assign meaning to this scene based on what happens in all the coming scenes. Right. But in the context of just this one episode, right. being a I have absolutely no yeah, idea being if someone, that's going to pay off. Exactly. Watching it from just linearly every week and not knowing what the future is holding. Like, yeah. yes, I can put myself in a mental space where I will just allow infinite trust that right. the rest of season three will mean something relative to what I'm watching at this given second, but there are so many times this season uh, yeah, and that where you're just, you have to take it on faith that what you're watching has meaning. And it's weird to be doing, you know, we call ourselves a rewatch podcast and we've commented on this before. This obviously isn't a rewatch. It's a first time watch for, for the entire rest of history, you know, after like several weeks from now, all of our discussions about this are going to be on the internet permanently with us being like, I don't know what this means, but like anyone listening to it later is right. going to have the ability to either already have watched all this stuff or speed through it. Yeah. Get ready for demand. like a lot of like arms crossed. Well, obviously it was important because that, Yeah, which potentially if we ever do a rewatch of season three, 
we will also be those people. Right. Who knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that is the reason this like that's the reason I keep bringing up the difference between a television show and a film. I, I, I that's why I keep hitting on it because it feels so critical to how to understand this series, and I just don't. I often <laughs> and yet, don't and yet here we to... are doing a weekly podcast yeah, about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really <laughs> tough to watch some of this stuff, and you just it's just so different when it's a, a serialized weekly television show. You know, like uh, there are films with much more brutal things than this season of Twin Peaks. Definitely, like that is just absolutely true. But you just don't have to like live in a world where you space them out drip by drip yes. for weeks on end. Even if a scene like this scene showed up in Breaking Bad or Mad Men or some other largely discussed television show that was also a drip-fed week to week, I feel like the structure of those shows... They would have probably involved characters that you know anything about, I Yes, assume. you would have context to understand it. Like if there was a scene where a young man went into his grandmother's house and he had a sort of disabled uncle who was living at home, threw him to the ground, threw his grandmother to the ground, stole all of their money, called her the worst words possible, like started beating her up and then left. Like people would know what that scene meant. They would know why that character was doing it. They would understand what it meant to the grandmother. They could potentially figure out the implications of it. Like you, you as an audience member are able to mount a mental defense in on behalf of the show for why you're watching it. We're like, Oh, well that's because he did these things and he got to a breaking point and you know, it means this for that in this show. We don't have those tools right now at all. And it's, it's very tough. Yeah. And presumably that is intentional, right? Yeah, But we just like, and so, you know, part of me feels like a Philistine to sit around here being like, well, it's just not like how Breaking Bad is. I know. Whatever. whatever. That's not like, I don't need a show to be fucking Breaking Bad. That's fine. But like, you know, but, but it's just, I don't know what to say. I just really don't know what to say. There are just millions of hours of television that have, or of of video content that have come out of TVs that you can assess in that way that you cannot apply to this show. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe by the end of this, we will be hailing it as a brilliant... (laughs) Uh, pioneer in that respect. Uh, no one else is going to try this. That's true. You mean no one else is going to make this show? <laughs> There's not going right, to be a show yeah. that's like, yeah, that's plotted so that all context right. and meaning is backported retroactively once you've seen. No, the it's end true. Of it. This is probably singular. And that in is, that respect, it's kind of it is yeah. it is interesting. That is how a lot of Lynch movies work, though. Yeah, absolutely. Again, so yeah, yeah. There's a couple specifics of this uh, Horn family scene that I think must be discussed specifically uh, that teddy bear that teddy bear which looks like David Lynch just built it like years ago and had it in his garage yeah. David Lynch almost certainly was instrumental in the creation of that prop right yes obviously a teddy bear with like a little glass head with eyes and a light inside yeah that just yeah. repeats the same phrase yeah. endlessly yeah yeah <laughs> and blinks portentously oh man and then just can't stop talking over the entire duration of that yeah. scene that part of it was just that that scene was actually staged incredibly yeah with because there was also am i wrong there was like schmaltzy music string music yeah behind it yep i mean it was incredible it was almost like um um like a clockwork orange or something you know yeah. in the sort it was of music that, juxtaposition of all these different totally it was basically like a music ele- elements yeah. yeah it's like it could have been in like a shopping mall or something yeah. like it's music that would have played in the horn department store right in the 70s yeah yeah, I mean, it was a fascinating piece of like construction, right? Yeah. Just like it just remains to be seen what its larger meaning is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that bear. Yeah. 
Also, man, I felt bad for Johnny Horn in a way that I don't think I ever have. Yeah, because well, again, he was so... Also, like, the way he was being cared for was a disaster before Richard Horn came in, where he was just like kind of hap- like slapdash tied extra- to a chair. Well, yeah, because he... I assume that was in direct it's, response to what happened because he heard him because he hurt him. himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just felt like yeah, it's tragic. It I felt mean, like his like mom it's... did the best that she could, which was already a bad job, and then Richard shows up and just destroys any right. like threads of okayness that were existing in that life. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, I think you could say that the that Johnny was sort of treated as like kind of almost a like a gag in the original Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of unfortunate. Yep. Um, in this in this episode specifically i mean i feel like there's a huge amount of compassion displayed for that character yeah like because we're we're up close and personal with like the reality of his day-to-day life and not just sort of this like sort of background element of him like running around in a crazy way like where it's he's we're we're shown like this is what it is like to have to care for this character and i i i mean i think it brings with it a lot of sympathy for Sylvia Horn and for Johnny Horn. Um, and then we just have this like d- demon basically like march into the scene and be terrible. I mean, yep. it, it's, I, it was, re- it was really, really, really interesting. Um, yep. But you know, also, and then the sort of really f- tough, the final little like glaze of sadness over the top of the scene is when Sylvia calls Ben asking oh, yeah. and tell, tells him about and it he and just does he's not. like I'm not giving you money back how's Johnny how's the money we're basically all right. that he cared about he didn't even he had to be like oh yes I care about you too like right. and then he concludes it by by calling for Beverly yeah just um, like oof yeah 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 <laughs> um all right well do you want to move on we've been on this for a long time yeah oh I yeah justifiably I think yeah yeah uh, so speaking of weird things, um, Cooper, <laughs> this episode, this episode is so weird. This is a weird episode. Yeah. So we, 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 we get Cooper. At Sorry, the, Chris. This episode of Twin Peaks is weird. Yeah. Says, yeah, says good, good, from, good podcast. Yeah. From veteran Twin Peaks podcaster. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Janie's very impressed. Janie and Cooper. Dougie's doctor are very impressed by Cooper's bod. Yeah. Yep. They love that bod. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we meant to... I guess we're meant to take from this... I mean, Cooper, as Dougie, has been at the Jones house for, what, several days now, at least? Yeah, I mean, he's and been, I guess... It's been like a week, I probably. I guess the Janie's never, never seen him with seen a shirt off? It. Yeah. I, that sort of suggests something that I would kind of assumed already which is that their relationship is kind of i mean pre-cooper i mean just you know her yeah. actual dougie janie e relationship they've, was very sterile they've and, drifted apart romantically yeah i mean the implication yes or maybe has like long been platonic or something it's not really clear but yeah it it, it seems it seems from the way that janie e is acting i mean my my read on it was that maybe when they first got together there was a spark because there would have to be because they're together unless Unless we find out that blah, 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 it was engineered in some way. But if they yeah, actually yeah, met yeah. as human beings, presumably right. at the start, by whatever wacky uh, slapstick comedy routine that was Dougie's life, they met each other and f- fell in love and got married. And then, yeah, now I've just drifted apart into being able to coexist in the same household and take care of their kid. And that's that's like the extent of their life, it seems like. Yeah. Um, but now... 
Dougie is like super shredded. Did you? This is a very minor detail in the before we get to the actual Jones house bit. Um, even though the Dougie stuff has been going on a lot longer than I think I or anyone expected it to, uh-huh. um, I I do continue to be incredibly impressed by Kyle McLaughlin and his yeah. like little wanting to touch the stethoscope. I yeah. thought was incredibly. <laughs> it was really good. Sort of funny and touching. Yeah. Um, like I pres- presumably he's intuiting something about like hearing his own heartbeat or something yeah. to that effect. But I just really like that. I totally thought that that scene was going to take a turn that it did not take. I thought the doctor was going to find Cooper's bullet hole. I totally oh. thought that he was going to be like, you've been shot? And yeah. the JD would be like, Dougie, you're shot. But it's- You mean from 25 years ago. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, he's, yeah. Been, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it, he would still have a scar because he was mm-hmm. shot. And for Janie to be like, you didn't have a scar. But instead, she was just like, oh, wow, you didn't yeah. have those abs. Is instead. That's a good point, though. Yeah. I mean, he, they, they, I don't think I ever, like, he never took his pants off. And you never got low enough, sure, I don't think, right. to see where, the, where he got shot. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember where he got shot. Yeah lower lower abdomen zone right um but that's not what happened instead she was just like why is dougie ripped now yeah yeah <laughs> lost a lot of weight real fast <laughs> yeah um so next scene i mean well next is <laughs> it's a pan up from her wearing red shoes yeah and then yeah dougie do you find me attractive and yeah. then he's maximum Dougie yeah, for this scene. God, I really, really thought that scene was going to go in a heartbreaking direction because he's so non-responsive as he always is. And I thought she was going to be like rebuffed and crushed. Nope. Nope. It's fine, I guess. <laughs> the the That hard cut to them having sex. Yeah, with his arms flopping around. Uh, I mean, well, that's not the first cut. First is just a cut to like- Oh, sure. Just, just to her. Just to her. Yeah. But yeah, then the arms flopping around. But just that, Dougie, do you find me attractive? Then he's just like- Yeah, chopping on his cake or whatever. I find you attractive. Yep. And then he looks away. I don't know. Yeah, was... he looks away, and then, but she's like smiling at him. And yeah. that the amount of like weird gap filling in, on her part, Yeah. super weird. But that cut, very good. Yeah. I have to say- Naomi Watts also, I think, is really bringing it here. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think Kyle MacLachlan is incredible when he's actually given something to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's acting against basically nothing. Yeah. And, like, I, I, it's, it's I feel like she's, yeah, the longer Janie is, a lot of work. The for, longer, yeah, she stays on screen, the yeah. more, like, just built up her performance gets. Right. I yeah. was, I was worried when Naomi Watts first showed up and she was just basically, Dougie, what's wrong with you? Or you? Da, 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 da. It was yeah. just going to be like th- that was what her character is, but mm-hmm. she's she's been very good. Yeah, she's she's constructed a surprisingly complex portrayal of this character of a very weird individual. Yeah, but the, but like interestingly, yes. so like w- against all odds. I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's really. I think it's kind of impressive. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Such a strange <laughs> pair of characters. It's so strange. Yeah. Um. And yeah, yeah. Sunny Jim. Oof. Oh, I know. Oh, Dougie looked really happy, and it was really yeah, awkward. Yeah, what a relief that he looked happy, though, at least. I mean, it was, you know. know, it was a strange situation. Yeah. There's there's a hard cut in there where presumably, different way. presumably things were okay from the hard cut all yeah. the way up through that. Yeah. Dougie, I love you. Love you. Yeah. He actually, Kyle McLaughlin landed that love you in a very good way that was, like, obviously a Dougie echo, but it had enough, like, it, it hit the knife's edge where it like it felt like maybe there was a real something behind sure. it and not yeah, just yeah, him yeah. literally just parroting parrot, it, yeah. not him just saying coffee. Right, right. This episode has had a ton of bad lamenting in it. Did you notice that? This it episode did. was it did actually. This yeah. episode 
I noticed that as well. There was the classic, like, ominous Twin Peaks It had, like, the Leo music for a little while in there. Yeah, Yeah, and there was just a lot of... uh, It's coming back. It is. It it was weird that the episode that's been the heaviest on the sort of, like, bad lamenty patter and, like, vamping is also the episode that has a, a bunch of stuff in it that has been the most difficult or really awkward to watch. Yeah. 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 It probably doesn't specifically mean anything. No, it doesn't. It's just, yeah, it doesn't mean anything in particular other than just finally getting that sort of familiar soundscape, but it's on top of visuals Mm -hmm. that are are not like that. Whereas a lot of the times we've talked about missing the Bad Lamenti has been in the really sort of classic Twin Peaksy stuff that Mm -hmm. instead is weird because it isn't there. Right. Yep. Uh, You want to talk about all the Las Vegas stuff? Do I? So this was (laughs) like, I mean, there wasn't a lot of forward momentum in no. this stuff, but I relationships were sort of like clarified, and we learned some more names. Yeah, this, this I guess we there are names we probably could have known from credit from credit researching, mm-hmm. I assume. But we did. Did we know like what Bradley and Rodney Mitchum? I'm sure that their names had been in in yeah. previous episodes. At least um, Bradley was. But yeah, this episode feels like the, all the Las Vegas stuff was a very connect the dots episode. Yeah. Like I think yeah. in, the, in the last couple episodes we've had sort of the bad coop FBI side has been very heavily connect the dots. Like mm-hmm. all of those the Buckhorn stuff really sort of got explicitly cinched together and this week feels like it's been the Las Vegas stuff getting very explicitly cinched together. Yeah, that's like true. Who is the Lucky 7 insurance guy working for? He's working, mm-hmm. f- you know, and how do those guys relate to Ike the Spike? How do they relate to Cooper? Who's paying I mean, who? should we just, like, list off some of those things? Should we do, we'll do like, our best. Yeah. So we encounter the Mitchums yeah. first, and that's Jim Belushi and other And other guy. They're the guys who either run that casino or run its security. Right. Yes. Yeah. Who are, yeah, they're off. They're the, high up in the casino. In the in the uh, what's the name of that casino? The Silver Mustang. In the Silver Mustang Casino, which yeah. is where Cooper, aka Dougie, was became Mister Jackpots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have Duncan, who is the guy who we often see in that tower. He's in a high rise office in Las building, Vegas, right? Who's sort of coordinating um, these he, a lot of these hits. He's the one who put out the hit on the woman whose name I can't remember who's who called Argentina. And right. he also put the hit on Dougie. So the right. two Ike the Spike murder and attempted murders that we've seen were yeah. called out by him. Yeah. He is also uh, directly talking to Anthony. Anthony. From Lucky 7 Insurance. Right. Anthony's the one who Cooper slash Dougie figured out was committing some sort of insurance fraud. Right. Which now is ex- explained. It's related in this to the. And th- yeah, that insurance fraud was. Uh, he being was done on behalf of the casino guys. Right, the Mitchums. On behalf of the Mitchums. Right. Oh, that's right. So those names actually, they showed up on that paperwork. That's I'm why sure I, did, that's why yeah, I had heard Mitchum yeah. before. I was like, okay, why is that okay. name familiar? Yeah, and it's because go. when yeah. we had that painstaking montage of right. Dougie scribbling, right. yeah. it was over a bunch of Mitchum stuff. Yeah. So then Anthony throws Dougie under the bus on behalf of Duncan mm-hmm. uh, to get the Mitchums to take care of Dougie. Right. Cooper, yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Those guys were already, I guess it's because Ike the Spike, because Ike the Spike has been arrested by the Fuscos. Right. Yes. They now are saying, they're trying to get the- They need a new- They're trying to get the Mitchums to take out Dougie directly. Right, exactly. And why are they trying to take out Dougie? Do we know that? 
Oh, I think it's because they're in business with Bad Coop. Yeah, I, it must be a because bad the coop very first time thing, that we yeah. see those guys, um, uh, Duncan. Yeah, the first time we see Duncan, I think, is in episode two, and he's saying you don't want to get involved with this guy. Yeah, yeah. Presumably, Bad Coop. Right. So we don't know why they're involved with him. Right. But sure. they're acting on his behalf. They they seem to be yet another one of Bad Coop's four mm-hmm. billion like crime minions connections. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's that web. Yeah. We might have gotten about 20% of that wrong because this web is impossible, but that's yeah. our that's our best that's stab at it. That's basically it, I think. Yeah. yeah. So so that's the sort of like overt plot connection stuff. Yeah. But a lot of the actual screen time around these characters in this episode is consumed with Candy, who is one of the three women who is often present around the Mitchum brothers. Right. She, we've seen her and the two other women with her. Right. Who all have names that end in E. Right. Yeah. In, in in previous scenes. In classic Twin Peaks season three style. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so a lot of what we get with these characters is the sort of fallout of her attempt to swat a fly with a remote control that smacks Rodney Mitchum in the face and then her... Like breakdown about it, or like outrageously melodramatic, yeah. weird, off-putting yeah, breakdown. Like I, not off-putting on her behalf, but on the show's behalf. Yeah, I think of just right. like, this why is, is this the choice not, that was made? I'm, yeah, this is another case where I'm not exactly sure what the show's going for, and the the I it is I don't know whether to take that at face value or not. Right, like at face value, it's 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 pretty. Uh, off-putting as you say but we also get all of these shots of Candy on the surveillance camera seemingly very intentionally um, she's like playing gesturing. for time and doing weird gestures and yeah. sort of obfuscating what, when she's just given an, an instruction to just yep. bring uh, Anthony back up to the security room and she's she, saying she, a ton of stuff to him yeah she says a lot of things she makes a lot of gestures she both before she leaves and after she returns, seems to intentionally just not respond uh, yep. when the Mitchums speak to her. It seems like something. And she just is she just totally good. lies when they're like, "What were you talking about?" Yeah, and she just makes stuff makes something. It seems yeah. to just make something up. It yep. seems like something is going on with this character, but I have absolutely no idea what it is. Yep, just just absolutely no idea. But it seems really overt and intentional that something is happening yep oh yeah she said she was talking about the weather she said yeah. she was telling him about the weather and it's yeah. like obviously not yeah 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 and I have just I have no idea what to make of it no I mean the it's very I mean it's you know to use a word I guess from last week that I said I didn't like using it did feel very Lynchian her <laughs> her outrageous like super melodramatic reaction that pops yeah, out of nowhere and, yeah, yeah and then her like um, sort of in, seemingly intentional um, non-responsiveness yeah. and over kind of like over gesturing. That's like all that really stuff felt very much a really weird in Lynch's ex- wheelhouse. external representation of an interiority that we, uh, that we have do no not access know. to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly how it felt. But I don't know to what end at all. Yep. Um, because again, this is another character about whom we know basically nothing and have very little existing familiarity with. So it's hard to know. I, I don't have like any, a pattern or anything to contrast it against or yep. anything. So I don't know. Anyway. I just don't know. Yeah, neither do I. In conclusion, Douglas Jones has a personal vendetta against you. 
You have an enemy God. in Douglas Jones. The way that the Mitchums, when he first says that, he's like, he, he has a personal vendetta against you. They're like, yeah, yeah that's it? Yeah. They just like, like, what? Why are you here? And then <laughs> yeah. he just keeps. You have an enemy in how Douglas much? How much Jones. meaning can you imbue the most straightforward <laughs> sentence with is a test that he tries to pass yeah. brilliantly and fails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that guy is a stooge. Yeah. Uh, there is one detail about that stuff that absolutely cracked me up which is uh i believe bradley mitchum what does he say he says fool us once oh no he says he's he's chris Uh the horns would say fool us once but here we are on uh in in heightened reality sorry you fuck us once shame on us you fuck us twice shame on you you're dead (laughs) which is i I love that line, that series of lines so much because it completely flips the way that that adage actually works. Yeah. Which is that it should be shame on you the first time. Yes. It's, it's, I, it just absolutely cracked me up. It was good. the fact that it ends with you're dead, just the least elegant, you're dead. It really, 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 that scene reminded me a lot of old Horn Brothers being vindictive, except that this is just like- an evil murderer version of it. Right. Just that, yeah. that like wacky turn of phrase and the two of them kind of being wryly amused by it and yeah. the audience like, yeah, yep. ex- except, That's true. except that there's a lot of assassinations and stuff. Yeah. They're just, they're just, yeah, I mean, they're just differently bad. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was, it felt like a good Mark Frostism. Yeah. That's probably true. Frostian. Frostian. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, you want to talk about the FBI? Do I? Yeah. There wasn't a lot in this episode. No. Although there was a little a little good. Uh, I mean, there, this, there was not a lot, but what was there was big. Step one, good Albert fan service, basically. That wasn't the first thing. Yeah. Oh, it was the first thing. Yeah. We just get shots of just back and forth between Albert, Albert's date and then Preston and Cole just like being just like, really happy about oh it. yeah it Albert really Albert funny. was going out to dinner with that medical examiner who yeah. everyone hoped that Albert would go on a date with he yeah, did he great did. so yeah. good yeah, yeah. Then, then Cole and Preston just being <laughs> like teens just over the moon about it <laughs> they it loved great. it yeah that was a cute good scene yeah no, that was a lot of fun the end I'm glad that scene was there me too <laughs> um and then we go right, I think, right from that, pretty much, to Cole's weird drawing. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of, of episode a... in between, but that's the next thing that you see. Yeah, but in terms of FBI, that's it. Yeah, then we yeah we see Gordon Cole drawing like a horned animal. It looked like a reindeer to me or something, yeah. but it was like an anteater version. Yeah, the camera was very certain to press in on it and show us it. Yeah, within a hand, like an arm reaching in yeah. from out of frame. Maybe you said that already, but uh, um, yeah, that's... We're meant to see it. We definitely don't know what it means. Uh, and then he opens the door. He door knocks. He opens it to a cross dissolve effect. Yes, of uh, to to a shot of Laura Palmer from Fire Walk with Me, which is notable because it looks. It is just that shot is so 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 different looking yep. to the one picture of Laura Palmer that we are repeatedly yeah. uh, shown at one at the beginning of every single credit sequence but then also obviously like in, in that orb eight and orb wherever and everything else in the op- in that shot the shot to twin peaks high at the beginning of the show like there's of yes, this season right. yes yes yep. yeah um so that was extremely notable yeah um and then we learn about Diane's text yeah 
Albert reveals that Diane got that text, and then she wrote back in an encrypted way. Or did she write back in clear text? I can't remember. Either way, there was some some encrypting, decrypting going on, but Albert was able to easily read it, it seems. And she said, they have Hastings. Yep. They're going to take him to the site, Yeah, is what Diane sent back to Bad Coop. Yeah. What does that mean? Nobody yeah, knows. that was shocking. Because, yeah, up until now, like all of the stuff with Diane has been entirely seemingly about her going, seeing Bad Coop, being not shocked. being shocked, yeah. talking to Gordon about it, and sort of, it's it seemed like she's been in a state of dealing with and trying to understand that. Now mm-hmm. she's texting him, and that that yeah. raises like, does has she been in constant communication with right, him this do, entire time? Does she know who's texting her? Is the other like everyone seems to have been talking to? Um, who the hell could she possibly think she's talking to? About? Everyone in the world seems to think they're talking to Philip Jeffries, but aren't. And I thought that's ma- a good point. And I thought That's maybe, a good point. Yeah, but like, maybe. but that would be weird that Cooper thinks he's talking to Jeffries, but isn't. But then is playing Diane on the well, same axis. You I, know, I don't know if this matters, but it's unclear whether this is a sort of a production error or if it's an intentional. It's intentional, and I could absolutely see it either way. But it's worth noting that, as I recall, when Cooper sent the the, the the you know the text text message it was in all caps and mm-hmm. when Diane received a text message it was in standard casing I so wonder they may not actually be that may not have been a one to one yeah it's hard of to Cooper know sending it and Diane receiving it it might have been Cooper texting the Philip fake Philip Jeffries right. or whatever or whatever and then and then that like somehow gets relayed yeah. it's hard to know because yeah that could also just be that in the scene when Cooper sends that he has like a feature phone he just sends it on a numpad and then when Diane receives it she's on a touchscreen device yeah. Yeah. and maybe they just didn't catch yeah that or yeah. it's that Bad Coop seems to have ambient technology manipulation powers or yeah it has meaning and we won't yeah. know until we know yeah um, but this definitely raised more questions than it answered. It mm-hmm. only raised questions. It answered no questions. It answered no questions, yeah. <laughs> uh, it answered no questions, but then we we do get an additional piece of information, at least. Do you, is this what Cole says? Because Cole says, I felt it when she hugged me, but this confirms it. And he again, oh, oh, yeah. he again yeah, sorry, does yeah. not confirm that. He says this literal words, this confirms it, but he doesn't say what it confirms. Other, t- than, other than he had suspicions. Me, yeah, I mean, I obviously have no way to know, but I took that to mean that he suspected she was in some way in league with Bad Coop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's I mean, how that's, I read that, but I don't know. I mean, Obviously, that's got, I don't that's, know. That's, that's the simplest yeah. meaning of what it is, yeah, and it I mean, probably is what it means. Yeah, but Just yeah, we'll have to see. No, the way that, no one has been acting in a way that implies that they thought that up until this scene, which is why it's, which is why it's so right. weird. Yeah, but right. Yep. Um, so then we also, the last FBI thing we get, as I recall, is... A photograph of Bad Coop standing in the glass box room, not in the box itself, but right next to yeah. the Manhattan glass box with a figure in what looks like sort of a lab, a lab coat. coat, like a sort of science yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's from Tammy. She said that this was found on one of the earliest SD cards. Right. Right. Of the huge bank. She, I mean, she just says this was found on one of the earliest cards, but presumably that's what it means. Yeah, yeah, is that yeah. The FBI yeah. has been going through all of the mm-hmm. archived footage. Yep. Yeah. It looked. If you if you saw that on a dark TV, it looks like Cooper might be inside the box. But if you yeah, adjust the if you not. adjust the brightness, yeah. you can see his like his black suit Over is, is actually box, yeah. in front of the black bar of the box. So it, yeah. yeah, yeah. When I first saw it, what I thought was he appeared inside of it the way that Cooper did. Yeah, it looked like he was but, just having a conversation yeah. with the scientist. But no, though. he's definitely just in the room. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Until we're wrong. <laughs> um, all right. So everything left that we haven't discussed is not one of these big main plot threads. Yeah. Everything remaining is sort of 
isolated scenes. Yep. Um, there was the Trout Trailer Park bit mm-hmm. with, with what's the guy's name? Red? No, nope. Carl Rod. Um, Harry Dean Stanton character, yes. Carl Rod playing, playing guitar. the guitar. Good sounded, opening sounded to that scene. Great. Yeah, yeah, sounded, great voice. Yeah, yeah, I liked that a lot. And then that scene was. was yeah, we got another <laughs> upsetting domestic abuse scene. Basically, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he says. Yeah, that's what Harry Dean Stanton says when that mug goes flying out. Um, God, he was playing Red River Valley, which I remember yeah. learning how to play on a piano when I. Oh was man! <laughs> oh man! One, one more on that list of piano lesson songs. Oh, really? Because we talked about uh, we talked about Green Onions and oh, Green Onions, Take Five, and Take Five. They're just, Moonlight Sonata. Yeah, or or, or <laughs> rolling deep in yeah. the uh, in the piano lesson. Yeah, can uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Man, in 2014, Mark Frost confirmed that fans will see a cup of coffee fly through a window. What? That was like the like the little tidbit that he gave out. In 2014? Yeah. Why would you tease this scene of all... I think... That is a strange I think I think that it was one of those, like, tell us something. Uh-huh. And then he said, one thing I... So people were like, what's one thing fans can expect? Uh, if we could talk in very broad terms. And he said, hmm, one thing I can guarantee they will see, they will see a cup of coffee fly through a window, just to give you one mundane specific. <laughs> And then he said, I hope that they walk away from the end of this next chapter feeling like it all comes together and it all makes sense. I hope so, too. Yeah, that's that's his quote about what people can expect. All right. I'm so we're, we're one for two there on Mark Frost's uh, predictions one slash down, confirmations. One hopefully to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I honestly don't have any other comments about that scene. There's obvious, conclu- or there's obvious comparisons you can draw to Shelley and Leo, except that it's like t- turned up to about four billion. Well, and I mean, again, I, I said this about Richard Horn as well, but like again, we just don't really know these characters. Yep, very well. We've we seen more of them than Richard Horn. That's true. Yeah, but but that, uh, yeah, but yeah. Um, there's Jacoby doing another broadcast, which I really enjoy. How deep we get into this broadcast until again it turns out he's just selling more shovels i know like he's really going for it this time he goes deep yeah and then he just like we uh, anyway don't don't forget uh dig your way out of the shit and we we got some very good very good nadine screen time this episode i we thought did. yeah because i mean not only was she enjoying the episode but we saw that Nadine's dream actually seems to have come true, and she works. I- she runs a silent drape runner store. Yeah, yep. which seems to also be selling or has featured prominently a golden shovel. Yes, which made. Did we talk about that on the air during that episode? The idea that maybe Nadine was somehow actually bankrolling Jacoby's golden shovel operation. It's possible. I, that was such a, a theory out of nowhere, and I can't remember if we talked about it on I don't the show know why or not. You need bankrolling? Oh, you mean like all the equipment and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. If like Nadine, who is just just for some reason super into all this stuff, drape runner magnate. Yeah, Nadine, drape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Silent drape running. Run uh, silent run drapes. That storefront was great looking. It was great. Also. It looked really good. Presumably, she was watching from the back office of her of her store. That's what it looked like to me, at least. Maybe mm-hmm. she was. Yeah, because that, that is. I assume that's what it was. Yeah, because of the establishment. It, shot. it had the golden shovel spinning in the yeah. in the window display that then got silently uh-huh. obscured by yep. a drape. Yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> just good. It's just good. I know. I know. I don't. I I feel like if I don't see Nadine again in this show, I've seen that's all that totally, I need to see. Totally acceptable. Like, and captured. What, yeah. yeah. What yep. was Nadine's fate? Watching weird Jacoby TV <laughs> in her Declaring successful, he's so beautiful. Yeah, in in her amazing drape store. Yeah, 
good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. Also, that actress was l- living in uh, a living it up in that yeah. in, for oh, like yeah. for like half a second. It yep. was just yep. chewing that scenery. A, a perfectly like formed Nadine scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Jerry Horn. Although I guess if she oh, had just sorry. crunched something, right? Like, <laughs> something it would. <laughs> She just yeah. you know ripped the top off of a can of something sure. and drank yeah. it. That'd be, then that'd be all. That, right, whatever. Um, <laughs> we have Jerry Horn once again out in the forest. Yep. St- or still, I should say, probably out in the forest. Yep. Um, screaming at his phone or whatever. Yep. He's been here before. He can't fool him. Yep. <laughs> That's what it was. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's fun, but it's so, you're, it's so you're, hard to like have a. <laughs> conclusion to draw. Your wish for a Jerry Horn Jerry Horn only micro episode to be edited together when the season is done is like bear, it's bearing more and more fruit with every with yeah. every episode yeah. that just it'll be like 5 minutes long if that. It's going to be longer than that. You think so? I think so. Yeah. I guess when we first saw them that was actually that was the longest. Yeah. When we first saw Ben and Jerry that was the longest we've gotten from Jerry. Yeah, but the second so longest far. was probably with his shoe talking to him. Yeah. But even that was like 2 minutes maybe. Yeah. Maybe two minutes? Yeah. Um, we have Hawk and the Log Lady. Yep. Um, this was a weird scene for me because the previous Hawk Log Lady stuff was so impactful and so surprising, and it hit a really kind of amazing balance between Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks sort of weird mystery lore stuff and just like emotional connection being made. This one felt more just that it was here to have the log lady drop some more clues. Yeah. I don't know if you felt the same way about it, but yeah, I I mean I think this is one of the an example of you know, there's sort of this is kind of one of the trade-offs I guess of the way that um Lynch says he shot, I mean says, I mean he did, I assume, shoot this season which was to film everything and then in you know, in just a, a mega se- sort of uh, session basically and then edit down into the episodes. Um, yeah, like if it it's, seems likely that the log lady scenes were basically shot all at the same time yeah. because she's in the same set. Why not? It was all written already. Um, and the way that we get sort of drip fed these scenes throughout, but they're not restaged or, or anything. And it's like the everything about them is um, all the framing is identical except mm-hmm. for the words being said. Like, there's just kind of not really a way that that's going to ever be as impactful it's really the as only, it was it, the first time we saw her yeah. return, right? That's just it, how it's going to be. It, it must have been done out of necessity, too. B- yeah. For, because sure, she wasn't because, pro- probably not very mobile. Yeah, it, yeah. That stuff seems like it might have even just been shot in her home and they lit it the way they did to hide the fact that it wasn't you yeah. know, in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it seemed like that scene was dropped in in this episode my assumption was is this or, which could be totally wrong but i looked at that and went is this the first time that i'm going to be able to actually predict the structure of twin peaks because next week they're going to go out to jackrabbit's palace and the fact that he had that phone call like that was the only piece of anything vaguely related to any sort of cooper recovery investigation stuff and i felt like they probably just had to get it in this week because it was going to be yeah. relevant next week yeah that's probably true but yeah. Whatever. I mean, I'm also not going to complain about getting more time with the log lady talking to Hawk on no, the phone. Absolutely. Um, she also said uh, Hawk Laura is the one, which was the sort of like pull quote in the yep. episode description this week, which is probably notable. Yep. 
Um, I think all that's left is the roadhouse. That is all that's left because she says, yeah, she says there's Dolores, the one thing. And then we get another one of what has become this season's like, I mean, we have the stoplight imagery occasionally in this season, but the sort of recurring shot this season seems to be a shot of the moon getting covered up by dark clouds. Cause we got another one of those yeah. and then, yeah, it's the roadhouse and in the roadhouse is a good song that I liked a lot. I loved it. This yeah. Was, yeah. No, that was great. This was uh, Rebecca Del Rio, who was in Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. um, also as herself. Uh, and the song that she was singing uh, in this episode was actually co-written by David Lynch for her 2011 album, hmm. uh, okay. yeah, which is interesting. And uh, this was the... Uh, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe this was the only... I believe this was the only Roadhouse performance other than Nine Inch Nails in which we got 100% of a performance from beginning to end without sort of cutting away. If that's if that's not right, it's close to right. Like, yeah. I think that that might be true. Yeah. Um, like we didn't, we didn't uh, enter that scene in the middle of the song or anything. It was the whole thing. Yep. And it was a very sort of... It's very much a sort of Julie Cruz-esque. It worked for me so much better than some of the other Roadhouse stuff did. Oh, me did. too. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, weird aesthetic note. She's wearing basically a Red the Room floor, floor for, yeah, uh, dress. Yeah, I mean, that it was totally, pretty clear. Yeah. yeah, it looked great. But, yeah. uh, it, I mean, it made that scene on a, on that weird surface level, like on like an almost marketing level, feel like yeah. Twin Peaks season three of that yeah, of her yeah, singing yeah, in the road. Yeah. I was wearing that dress with the red curtains behind her. Yeah. Um, but that this piece of music... Like a lot of the roadhouse scenes have felt like they're just in there because they wanted a, a sort of interesting aesthetic way to end episodes. This one felt so much more like the Julie Cruz stuff did in the first in the earlier seasons to me, where it was like yeah, I mean, it also even musically was more similar to it. yeah, I mean, which makes sense because it's like this is a singer David Lynch likes, and he co-wrote one of her songs for and sure, put her in a movie, and it's like in his movie, you know, it's. Very. It, there's a lot of comparisons. It made me. It, well, this is the. This is one of the only ones that has f- made me think about what is the Roadhouse in season three, and what are these bands in se- in mm-hmm. the town in the town of Twin Peaks? Like, yeah. as an audience member, as an audience member, like these these have often felt like a palate cleanser or sort of like a way to sort of unwind and sort of like let 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 out a let let you know. Wow, you've been holding your breath right. for the episode, and then sort of to exhale and chill out. And this episode, after watching Richard Horn just run through the town, leaving a trail of out out of control destruction, and yep. seeing the stuff in the fat tra- trailer park, just seeing what Twin Peaks as a town has to endure. The this song coming on at the Roadhouse and seeing the entire town there. And it feeling sort of like a cathartic, like a cathartic yeah. cleansing moment. It was like, okay, th- that even if Twin Peaks isn't able to exist as a literal, real seeming place in season three, the way that it did in the old series, which I don't think it does. It feels just yeah. way more heightened and stylized. If you like sort of Twin Peaks as a fully formed living organism, the Roadhouse and these musical numbers made sense to me in this episode. Mm. In, the, in this episode, like I understand their place both in the world and as an audience member now. I think more after after yeah. after this one. After this one, that's the last thing that I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it. That's it. That's the last episode of Twin Peaks season three. A really strange way to close it out. <laughs> we, uh, cool that we got one more episode than we were promised back when they said it was going to be nine. Right. 
Uh, no, uh, we'll be back next we'll week. We'll be back for the remaining, <laughs> what, eight of these? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, our website is TwinPeaksRewatch.com. And from there, you can subscribe to the show and find the other places that we reside on the Internet. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. Consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes. Or I guess like and subscribe on YouTube. Weird. Nice. Weird. Got that like and subscribe in there. It's weird to say that. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, guys, indeed. Um, and yeah, we'll, we will, in fact, be back next week. Our email address is... Twin Peaks at idlethumbs.net if you want to send us any comments. We obviously sort of um, oscillate between uh, reading those and not, but I assume that um, we will have more opportunities to read them later, even, you know, w- whether they come on the regular episodes or uh, in a sort of wrap up. But please do continue sending them. And if you go to uh, twinpeaksrewatch.com and go to the forums link, you can discuss this show with other listeners every single week. And there's an really great discussion in there consistently. Uh, It's a very good place to discuss the show. Anyway, that's all at TwinPeaksRewatch.com, and we'll be back next week. For Idle Thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. Bye. One thing that's worth pointing out that I just remembered, you were talking about how huge this episode is and how many threads that it has in it, and how in any other TV show we'd probably have one fewer thread than this. Yeah. If you look at last episode and then this episode, they are almost entirely two self-contained skyscrapers of four billion plot threads. Like this episode (laughs) didn't touch on any of the stuff from last week, which was already an outrageous amount of plot. This is a very busy episode of Twin Peaks. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. That's all. You know what we else didn't talk about? That amazing local news bit, which was so (gasps) How did we not talk about that? Okay, (laughs) this episode is not over. How do we not talk about Roll the Dice, Sheila, local news? <laughs> I was like jumping out of my chair yeah, was, so uh, thinking a, about how excited was, you would be yeah. at that bad and amazing local news sequence. Yeah. That was amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. No local news has probably <laughs> ever been that outrageous, but it was so perfectly was so in, the in the spirit. Of local news and Las Vegas local news. I, I mean, know. you say local news has never been that outrageous. Okay, you're but right. But let's imagine what, I mean- there are surely people listening to this who just live in Las Vegas and we're full of shit. But like, maybe if, that's any, lo- if any local news <laughs> is going to be that outrageous, it's going to be Las God. Vegas local news. Where to next? Roll the dice, Sheila. <laughs> local news. Yeah, all the two dice. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy about it's that. So good. It was so good. And also, just I, I love how many times we've seen that. Also, that. Like news footage. The news footage of Ike's, of, of Ike's arrest? Yeah, just that scene. Or not of his arrest, of him. Of sc- the report of the look of the. Outside, you know, of, outside of the Lucky Seven insurance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've milked that justifiably. They really have, yeah. It's been, it's been good. Oh, so good. All right. Well. On that note, on, on the highest note. note we could possibly end on this episode. Yeah. Local news. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you remembered local news. <laughs> yeah.